from the city of St. Louis, you're listening to the Don't Push Pause podcast with your hosts, Justin Johnson and Lindsay Reber. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for our very first episode. I'm Justin. And I'm Lindsay. And we are both big lovers of film, more specifically films of the 80s and 90s. So we thought it'd be fun to focus a podcast geared toward movies of that era. Now this is not going to be so much a review show, but more of a discussion on a particular film that we will choose for each episode. Every episode we pick a movie that we like and enjoy. We're not here to tear anything apart. Our hope is that you rediscover a lost gem or seek out something new that's now considered old and maybe even forgotten. Then after that, we have our short segment, which is called our pick of the week, where Lindsay and I each pick a different film that we try to somehow connect to our main movie of discussion. These will generally be films that we don't think are the greatest ones in the world, but ones that deserve a little bit of attention. And finally, we close out each podcast with what we like to call our Murray moment. Both Justin and I greatly appreciate Bill Murray, and we end with a tidbit on him and try to relate it to our main movie of discussion in some way. So that in a nutshell is how things are going to go here at Don't Push Pause. So let's go ahead and kick things off with our very first film of our very first episode, and that is none other than Tim Burton's 1994 masterpiece, Ed Wood. So we decided on Ed Wood because we wanted to start with one of our favorite movies. It's an underrated Tim Burton film about an underappreciated film director. We also wanted to do a film that included Bill Murray, and even if he is in a supporting role, and a glorious one at that. It's also a mixed genre film, so that's always kind of fun to tackle. So since this is a biopic, a few things we will discuss are what uh, makes this movie stand out uh, among all the biopics there are. Also, uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the real Ed Wood and uh, give you a little information on him in case you are not familiar so if you've never heard this movie or you're completely in the dark on who Ed Wood is, uh, Lindsay, can you bring us up to speed on uh, this guy, Eddie Wood? Edward D. Wood Jr. is an overly ambitious filmmaker, and this movie follows the making of more than a few of those movies, including what's considered to be the worst movie ever made, Plan 9 from Outer Space. The movie also touches on his intense love for Angora sweaters as well. So before we kick off our discussion on the real Ed Wood, I wanted to play a scene from the Tim Burton film where Johnny Depp is portraying Ed Wood. This is early on in the film where he's pitching to producer George Weiss on why he is the best person to direct a film about a sex change aberration. Well, Mr. Weiss, look no further. I'm your man. I work fast and I'm a deal. I write and direct and I'm good. I just did a play in Hollywood and Victor Crowley himself praised its realism. There's about 500 guys in this town that can say the same thing. On the phone, you said you had some special qualifications? Mr. Weiss, I have never told anyone what I'm about to tell you, but I really want this job. I like to dress in women's clothing. You a fruit? No, not at all. I love women. Wearing their clothes makes me feel closer to them. You're not a fruit. No, I'm all men. I even fought in WW2. Of course, I was wearing women's undergarments under my uniform. You gotta be kidding me. Confidentially, I even paratrooped wearing a brassiere and panties. I'll tell you, I wasn't scared of being killed, but I was terrified of getting wounded and having the medics discover my secret. 
So you think this qualifies you to make my movie? Yes. I know what it's like to live with a secret and worry about what people are going to think of you. My girlfriend still doesn't know why her sweaters are always stretched out. All right, that was our first clip from Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Eccentric is just one of many adjectives we could use to describe um, the film director, Mr. Edward D. Wood Jr. We're going to tell you a little bit about the man himself, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the Tim Burton film. So the Tim Burton film follows uh, Ed Wood's film career pretty closely and accurately, uh, but I just want to give you a little bit of history um, prior to where the Tim Burton film picks up. Uh, Ed Wood was born in the suburb of Poughkeepsie, New York in 1924, and uh, he had a fairly idyllic childhood, um, a love of pulp comic magazines and horror movies, uh, his favorite actor being Bela Lugosi. On his 12th birthday, he received a film camera from his father, and he made his first short film, which was uh, the actual Hindenburg flying over his neighborhood. Uh, he later joined the military and was a decorated soldier, uh, being wounded in war, uh, which is talked about in the clip that we just heard. So in 1947, he moved to Los Angeles, uh, thus beginning a career directing some short films, commercials, and writing and producing several plays. And that's where the Tim Burton film picks up. So in this film, Johnny Depp portrays the title character, Ed Wood, and uh, the film kind of it follows fairly closely uh, his, this small section of his film career, which most would say was his most successful. Um, in real life, Ed Wood's life was pretty dismal after the end of where this movie takes place in history. Um, but was this that Plan Nine from Outer Space is that what we end with? Yeah, the the Tim Burton film ends with Plan Nine from Outer Space and. After in real life, after Plan Nine, Ed Wood's life sort of delved into alcoholism and mm-hmm. eventually dying flat broke. But the Tim Burton film, thankfully, it there is some dark moments, but it basically focuses on him making three films: Glenda, Glenda, Bride of the Monster, um, and uh, his Nine. most notorious film, Plan Nine from Outer Space. And it also really gets into his relationship with Bella Lugosi, which is a, a pretty prominent part of the film and a pretty prominent part of Edward's life. So uh, one topic that we wanted to hit on is the fact that this is a biopic movie. For me personally, I don't, I feel like it greatly differs from movies like Walk the Line or Ray. Um, to me, while great movies on their own, they feel... Um, you know, very slick and kind of maybe important moments that happened um, are possibly embellished um, in order to make a great movie. Ed Wood um, is different because I, I feel like a lot of these things actually happened or they actually did happen. Not I feel like they they did. Um, it's, it's not. It's it's a, it's a, this movie doesn't feel biopicy, even though. It, it tells he, the truth of what actually happened in his life. Yeah, and and Johnny Depp really plays this character in an over the top kind of way. But the thing about it is that Ed Wood was was pretty over the top. Um, probably why I I'm, I think Johnny Depp is amazing in this role too, as, as playing him. Um, 
but but for me why i feel like this movie is is so good is because it is a biopic movie but it doesn't feel like it it feels like it is a movie on its own and you kind of um in some instances kind of can't believe that this was actually happening during the time that it was yeah and some of the thing i you, i think you mentioned this yesterday you were talking about how like a a lot of biopics are played up for dramatics and mm-hmm. even in actually played it for dramatics when these things didn't even really happen in the yeah. real person's life. Um, and what this movie I think does a good job of that makes it uh, the opposite of a biopic type movie is that there are real things that they talk about like Bella Lugosi's uh, heroin or morphine habit. Which blew uh, me away. I- and, and no this, idea. And this is something in Ed Wood where it's such a subtle thing, like he's getting makeup put on his arm and the makeup artist sees the whole the mm-hmm. needle marks in his arms. But later on the the problem his drug addiction problem is addressed. But I think in a more traditional, generic biopic movie, that that would be this oh, you know, they would huge, make this big deal huge like huge thing about it. Or like in Ray where you know, he's playing the piano, he's like scratching his arm and they cut to just some guy in this studio like, look at him, he's got that junky itch, you know. Yeah, exactly. Edward was more subtle and I think specifically during those times, things like that were either one, not really understood or known about or two, if they were known about, we didn't really talk about them either. So you would, it would make sense. You'd just be like, I was going to put a little, little foundation, a little powder over those track marks there. Yeah. And I, th- I th- really too what uh, what I love the most about this movie, and w- what I think again sets it aside from so many bio dramatic movies, is that the main focus is on Ed Wood's passion, which is filmmaking, yeah, and being creative and bringing these people together, and that's what the movie focuses on. I mean, he's in every scene; it draws from accuracies of his real life but the main focus isn't on necessarily his struggles it's on his passion and I think that's it's something that's very different and I think that's what makes it so exciting uh, you know and, and why to uh fun to watch because all these people like being around Edward he's a passionate very loving type guy that mm-hmm. can bring people together mm-hmm. and that really comes across in the film and re- really makes it kind of endearing and that's why I, I just I can watch this over and over again and it is dark and there are parts that are sad, but overall I just always walk away feeling like, man, I just, you know, I would have loved to hang out with Ed Wood. That's what I kind of love about this is it's a um, mixed genre in a, in a sense that it is kind of a comedy and, uh, you know, has a lot of dramatic elements to it. Um, it feels like I said, going back to the whole feeling very real, feeling like this was actually life then. I think to, to to note Tim Burton, I think he mm-hmm. was the perfect director for this film, ma- making a choice to, number one, shoot it in black and white, which uh, actually got him this movie booted from, what I read, booted from Warner Brothers. Like What? The, he wanted to do it, and they they were like, if you're going to do it, you can't do it in black and white. And his the reasoning was is no what? one's ever seen Bela Lugosi in color. So the, they were like, we're not going <laughs> to, you know, this has to be in black and white. And so... The, Oh, that's funny. So they moved to Touchstone Pictures, and then they let him shoot it in black and white. But I also love that they kind of use these really flat sets and made the film 
look like the universe that the real Ed Wood lived yeah. in. They weren't so much trying to go for this 50s look as they were. This is the world in which his his movies were in. and Even the credits of the movie made about him are going to be yeah, they're like j- an Ed Wood movie. Yeah, they're, yeah, the opening credits are darn near identical to the uh, yeah. Plan 9 from Outer Space. Which really goes along with, I think, um, how much people, whether you're in the filmmaking industry um, or of that time, or maybe you discovered Ed Wood uh, much later when he was, uh, it was like in the early 80s, I think he was crowned, after after his passing, crowned the worst director of all time. And maybe, you know, he is the worst director of all time. I don't know. That's That's kind of a bold statement. Whatever it is, he sure has a lot of people that still love him today. And definitely when those movies were being made, he had a huge group of people around him, whether they be outsiders um, or Hollywood outsiders, we'll say, um, like him. Um, he, he certainly had a lot of people that adored and genuinely loved him. Yeah, and even uh, directors who were influenced by him, uh, uh, one to name David Lynch. I, I think one time I swore he said Glenn and Glenda, Glenn or Glenda was one of his favorite films. Are you serious? And really? You can certainly, uh, you can see the influence <laughs> in some of David Lynch's early movies. I can see, yeah, I can see that. Um, and one of the, like, finally, one of the final things I want to talk about as far as this, it's being sort of separated from a bio movie kind of being its own movie is it really is it tells a great story about these sort of band of misfits these friends Edward had and Edward's you know being this sort of brave character who you know he he starts out sort of hiding the secret that he's a cross-dresser then eventually it being a part of his filmmaking career what his films are about what his art's about and then he just starts talking about it and showing people yeah and also that the the Tim Burton film is a it's a movie about making movies, but it doesn't feel like this L.A. industry type movie. I mean, it's it's almost a movie about independent filmmakers before the word independent filmmaker was even yes in anyone's vocabulary. That is accurate. Um, and I just really I really like that. I mean, I think if you're a lover of this sort of behind the scenes of making a no budget movie. This that almost doesn't really get any better than Ed Wood. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to discuss, and we'll go into a little clip here to help out, but is the relationship between Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi, which is plays such a strong role in the Tim Burton film. Bella Lugosi, when he met Ed Wood was pretty much his career for the most part was as far as studio films was over. Um, he, I don't want to use the word washed up, but he he was definitely not getting any work, and like you you had yeah, mentioned, yeah. And we should say like Bella Lugosi was. Uh, he, I mean, he's the aside from Nosferatu, he was the original Dracula. Yes. Um, he's kind of iconic, and kind of after that, um, was very much like he was. He was in monster movies. Yeah, very type. It's hard to yeah. yeah it was White hard zombie. For him. Yeah, he very was, hard for him to to step outside of that role in other in other people's eyes which makes sense why Ed Wood loved him so much yeah and and Ed Wood grew up Bella Gosi was his favorite actor so in the movie they happenstance they meet on the street and Ed Wood gives him a ride home 
and they start talking and thus begins their relationship uh, where Ed Wood starts, you know, getting him work in these mm-hmm. no budget films and the films that probably Bella Lugosi would have never done. But sure. at this point in his career, you know, he just wants to work uh, and get any kind of money that he can. And he's he's aware of of uh, where he was in his career. So we'll get into a little bit of that, but here's a clip. Uh, this is um, uh, where Johnny Depp is giving uh, Bella Lugosi, who's portrayed just insanely brilliant. So well. So amazing by uh, Martin Landau, who did win an Oscar for his performance. I know. I love that. Boy, Mr. Lugosi, you must lead such an exciting life. When is your next picture coming out? I have no next picture. You got to be joking. A great star like you, you must have dozens of them lined up. Back in the old days, yes. Now no one gives two fucks for a bailout. But you're a big star. No more. I haven't worked in 40 years. This business, this town, it chews you up, then spits you out. I'm just an ex-boogeyman. Make a right. All right, there was another clip from Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Um... You know, there's a delicate balance between when when talking about this movie, um, talking about it in a historic sense and also the movie itself. Um, Aside from, you know, there's a handful of differences. Um, I don't think that there are any there's nothing really that changes completely the course of how this movie um, went. But yeah, there were some things that there were a little different. One thing that was not, though, was um, the friendship that developed between Bella Lugosi and um not Johnny Depp um Edward Edward he's so good though it's yeah, like you forget. It's, it really is um I, I will say uh I, I did a little more a lot of research for this one mm-hmm. because or we both did I mean it's impossible it's not because to it's you, you know you want to separate fact from fiction with sure. a movie like this um and I did read that Bella Lugosi's son, I guess, like said he felt that Ed Wood was very exploitive of Bella Lugosi, um, though he wasn't really around. Um, mm-hmm. And close friends of Ed Wood said the exact opposite. They said it, kind of how it's portrayed in Tim Burton's film that he was with Bella Lugosi during Bella Lugosi's worst times with addiction and when he was, you know, almost on his deathbed and that their friendship was they respected each other and they hung out all the time. You know, since you told me that, um, I've thought back on the scene where, um, where Lugosi's been in rehab and he's, you know, kind of worked through it and there's the, the press that's there up in his face and Ed Wood happens to come in to visit him and he sees this and runs to him and is like, no, 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 you get out of here. You get out of here. You, and and I wonder, I, I, I don't know, but I, I wonder if that's in direct response to maybe him saying that, or it being said that Edward was exploiting Bella Lugosi in some sense. Yeah, may, or yeah, maybe they're, they're, that was a response of them saying... Or maybe it he, actually he happened, who knows? Him. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, the only two people that really know are both dead. Right, yeah. Um, but it is uh, the... That scene, or there's several scenes there toward the end of the Burton film where 
that their their kinship is what really mm-hmm. it, it, to me it's it's heartbreaking in a, in a way like it, it, I mean I it's sad but in a way that makes me feel good like he loves Bella Lugosi so much and Bella Lugosi loves he respects Ed Wood mm-hmm. because you know, he he gets these projects done no matter what and he yeah. is willing to get he's he's not going to give up on Bella like he's going to continue to put him in his movie even you know shoot he he in the movie he shoots his final scene that he's going to build an entire film around yeah um just just uh, you know giving him this he knows that Edward knows that Bella Lugosi's probably going to die after he gets out of rehab mm-hmm. in the Tim Burton movie in the Tim Burton version. movie you know i there's a lot of things that and this is just i'm not trying to go too deep here psychoanalyze um do it <laughs> But, um, you know, okay, so let's think Bela Lugosi totally towards the end of his, I mean, he is at the end of his career, whether he dies from addiction or not, like he is for, you know, like you said, one of a better phrase, washed up. He knows it. He's completely aware of it. Um, Edward is passionate, but still a struggling director. He believes in, 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 in himself and in the people that he works with, um, and he's got all the fire behind him um but you know he's not he's not making money at all he also from my research and from seeing his movies he's never really struck me as a person that's like a climber like what we would think Ed, of Ed today Wood. as a cl- yeah edward I, I wouldn't think of him as like what we would say today as a climber like someone that's just like looking to glom on to someone yes he wants money he wants funding that's how you get movies made um i don't i there's just something within me that doesn't think that he was like you know what bell lugosi's gonna save my ass Sorry, yeah. but uh, no, I th- well, I think too. I think, yeah, I I think that he was a genuine person with his friends. Um, I do think you know, they do portray him as sort of a schmoozer, like he'll say what he has to say to get totally. funding, or he'll totally. ch- or he'll totally change something in the script, totally to to, to <laughs> adhere to somebody, but yes. He, but yes, like he's not stepping on people to. Like I don't, I don't think he was using Bella Lugosi. Yeah. I think, I think he, yes, for his name. Yes, but I, I don't think that he didn't care about him, um, especially during a time of drug addiction. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong here, Justin, but I'm I'm fairly sure that that Edward like did kind of help him through some of that drug addiction. Yeah, from what I've read, Edward was there through the rough patch of Bella Lugosi's drug addiction, and there's actually even a. Uh, I'll try to find it. I'll try to put it in here. A clip of, uh, it's like a newsreel footage that I found of yeah. Bella Lugosi just out of rehab. And, you know, he sounds pretty positive. De- definitely the opposite of how it's played in the Tim Burton film where mm-hmm. he sort of kicked out of rehab because he didn't have money and he definitely does not <laughs> sound healthy. But in this real interview, he sounds healthy. But the first thing he mentions is like, I'm doing the next Eddie Wood picture. Um, oh wow! And, I'd love to see that. And that—that that is something that, I mean, that's real. I mean, that's him saying, you yeah, know, he's that's... excited about doing the next Ed Wood movie. And I mean, this movie chokes me up. I know there multiple are multiple times. Multiple the, times. I mean, the last twenty-five minutes of this movie, 
it, I mean, it gets dark. It's pretty, I mean, and Tim Burton does get dark, but this is, I think, probably his like darkest, mm-hmm. darkest film as far as that last passage of Bella Lugosi's relationship with Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just wish you could have seen the movie. Uh, no problem. I know it by heart. I have no home. Haunted. Despised. Living like an animal. The jungle is my home. But I shall show the world that I can be its master. I shall perfect my own race of people. A race of atomic supermen. You know, Justin, I really have to say Martin Landau's performance and I I think the um, Academy Awards probably would agree with me um, that his performance in this as Bela Lugosi was so spot on. And I I feel like um, especially for someone that didn't really resemble Bella Lugosi, like their, their face and head shapes are completely different. Um, his, his posture was very Lugosi, especially later on in life. Um, I know that a lot of this had to do with his, the makeup that, that was done for him, but just uh, mannerisms and his facial expressions, whether it be the, the squinty eyes, um, just, I mean, his accent. I mean, yeah, well, Martin they, Landau's a talented actor. Right, yeah. Well, the accent so. is something that I listened to an interview with Martin Landau t- mm-hmm. talking about the accent. And uh, he said that he listened to Hungarian dialect. And then because Lugosi in his real life hated his accent, um, hmm. he actually tried to hide it. And it caused him not to get a lot of jobs. Uh, because he couldn't really hide that accent. I didn't know that. And so Martin Landau had the mind frame of, of I'm doing a Hungarian accent of someone who's trying to hide a Hungarian accent. He said that uh, yeah. uh, he met somebody who was very familiar with that dialect. And, uh, you know, that guy was like, yeah, it sounds like you're trying to not talk with that accent he, and he was like oh it's a success that's perfect um but it, it is something that's that's such a precise approach you know mm-hmm. and, and something you know really the layers of that um and keeping it true because he could have just played it straight and i don't think most people would have known the difference and it's not even really something yeah. that they i mean he went through all that work and it's not even something that is brought up in the movie. I mean, it's not even mentioned in Tim Burton's film. Yeah, no. So it, he could have not done it and no one would have known the better, but it, it it does give it that extra edge of he really wanted to pay tribute to Bela Lugosi. And uh, yeah, it's still, it's it's one of my favorite performances by an actor. It kind of goes hand in hand with the whole idea of Ed Wood and the Tim Burton Ed Wood movie. Um, all of it really feels like a tribute to what came before and what's like just so well loved, I would say. I mean, Martin Landau has always been an, an incredibly well-respected actor. 
and Bela Lugosi was a legend or is a legend. It just, um, it seems like a very daunting task to, to take on complete transformation though, I would say. Um, but we should probably move on uh, pretty soon here, but I did find that clip that I was talking about earlier. Oh, no way. Yes. I want to see that. We'll, uh, I'll show that to you and then also try to put it in here so that other people can listen to it. And that's a clip of the real Bela Lugosi being interviewed after he gets out of rehab. Perfect. Mr. Lugosi, you're leaving the state hospital tomorrow. Yes, I'm very happy I do, on account that I became a a new man, new lease of life. I'm cured. You're cured. Yes, I'm very grateful to the state uh, hospital that I... They allowed me and took me when I volunteered. You see, previously I was in a private sanatorium, but they, were, they weren't as strict, so I was, I was afraid it was going to take too long. But now we made a short cut. It was very... How long have you been in the institution, Mr. Uh, three months. Three months. Because 90 days is the state law. Mm-hmm. It's minimum. What did you weigh when you came in, about, or how much underweight were you when you entered the institution? Oh, I was 45 pounds underweight. 45? Yes. Have you put most of that back? Oh, yes, I regained 21 pounds. Feel like your old self. Well, you I feel, feel like a million dollars. You feel like regular, really? Well, huh? Sure, that's yeah. best. I'm looking forward to work again. I understand that. I had an assignment uh, playing the star part in uh, the Google Goes West. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, Eddie Woods Eddie will Woods, be the yeah. producer. And you're going to enter that as soon as you leave here. Surely. Well, that's fine. How did you? Wow, that's really. Um, that's really something for me. Like I, I, I know I've already said like a few times, like Bela Lugosi, like that's the original Dracula, dude. Yeah, it's like, bizarre watching the film and because I watched that clip after I don't know, it was like a day after I mm-hmm. watched Ed Wood and I found that on YouTube. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, not not cool for him, but I mean that's uh, that's a. Um, it's cool that he got. Yeah. Went to rehab and fixed yeah. the problems. Good job, dude. All right. We're we're gonna keep it moving right now. We're gonna go right into our picks of the week. Um, Justin Johnson, what do you got for us? Well, uh, my pick of the week, and like we said in the beginning, we like to pick a movie that sort of somehow ties into the main movie mm-hmm. that we discuss. And so my pick is Edward Scissorhands, which also directed by Tim Burton and also starring Johnny Depp as a character named Edward. Perfect. So this was Johnny Depp and Tim Burton's first collaboration together. Uh, they went on to do Ed Wood after this film and I think six or seven other films. Um, but this was made uh, after the smash success of 1989's Batman. Burton seemed to have free reign in creating Edward Scissorhands from his original story. Uh, the movie takes a satirical look at a small suburban town where houses all look the same, so much the same that it's actually easy to accidentally drive into the wrong driveway. Um, a superb Diane Weist plays an Avon lady who stumbles upon a lonely soul in Johnny Depp. Uh, he lives in a castle at the end of their street. In a sense, it feels like this movie's a take on Pinocchio in that uh, Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands' character, was created from a, an inventor, which is played by Vincent Price. But the creator dies before he can give Depp uh, real hands. So... Uh, Before he finished, he just had these large, gigantic scissors for hands. But uh, Weiss' character feels sorry for him, so she brings him into her home, and soon all the neighborhood is abuzz by this exotic scissor-hand man. First, he's a huge hit uh, by his talent of cutting people's hair, and then he starts designing people's landscapes. Pretty soon, the neighborhood 
doesn't look like the cookie cutter neighborhood anymore. Uh, everybody has these sort of dinosaur shaped uh, bushes and it really changes the, the look and feel of the neighborhood. Uh, but eventually uh, the neighbors turn on him and in true Frankenstein fashion, they chase him back into his castle. I have to admit, I find Ed Wood to be Tim Burton's best film, but I think Edward Scissorhands might be his most imaginative and original work. It plays like a delightful childhood fairy tale without being heavy-handed and bogged down with a moral message. I do think the film slows down a little bit and gets a little thin on story with the Anthony Michael Hall and Winona Ryder subplot intermingled with Edward Scissorhands' crush on Ryder's character. It really slows the movie down, but overall I think it's just a great movie. I also think it's just an incredible feat by a director who was fairly young. Tim Burton was maybe 30 30 years old when he directed this film. And it ties in with Ed Wood in a way that uh, Tim Burton was a gigantic fan of Vincent Price growing up the same way that Ed Wood was a huge fan of Bela Lugosi. And much like uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Tim Burton was able to use Vincent Price in a small role in Edward Scissorhands as the inventor. uh, And Vincent Price passed away. Uh, I, I think before the movie came out in the same way that Bela Lugosi passed away before Plan 9 came out. But anyway, that is my pick of the week. Uh, if you haven't seen it, well, it's really worth checking out. And it's, uh, I will say that to me, Tim Burton, I really think the early part of his career was really the, the most imaginative and carefree part, I think, a lot of his movies now there some of that's there but he does a lot of remake stuff and I've not been as into it but these first few movies are, are really worth checking out so I highly recommend if you haven't seen them I'll revisit Edward Scissorhands and what is your pick uh this week I would say that I love Edward Scissorhands and it it has been way too long since I've seen it it I think one of the reasons I it, it's hard for me to watch is because it always evokes so many tears for me. It's so emotional. It is. It's, it's so emotional, like at multiple different uh, points in the movie. And the, Danny Elfman did the music, yeah? Yes. The music slays me in it. It's Anyway, thank you and for I, doing that. Oh, it yeah. was nice to revisit that one. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to like bag on Johnny Depp because he he does I mean his performance in Ed Wood is great and then Edward Scissorhands it's almost I mean, it's, he's like practically plays the role mute so it's just yeah. it's he evokes so much so many emotions without even saying words um he kind of dri- you know he's drift like Tim Burton kind of drifted into this sort of yeah thing that he does in every movie but um yeah he's really great in that yeah no he re- definitely very very great thank you for doing that one um so my pick of the week uh, definitely ties in with Ed Wood. I thought that it would be important to kind of talk about maybe one of Ed Wood's movies, my favorite one, uh, which is Glenn or Glenda. It was it's the first one that is talked about in in the Tim Tim Burton Ed Wood uh, film. So. Glenn or Glenda was made in 1953, and uh, like I said, is featured big time in the movie, and is basically, uh, however you want to look at it, it's basically about Ed Wood. Um, as portrayed in, in the biopic, um, 
it was supposed to be a movie that capitalized on a sex reassignment surgery that had happened in the previous year in 52. Instead, it was directed and starred um, Ed Wood, who argued that his um, own cross-dressing experience um, made him a shoe-in to make the film. He was completely right. There's no one else that could have made this film. Um, the movie itself is documentary style, almost like an educational film, though it is, you know, quote, fictional. It's a fictional story, I'm sure. Um, it was presented in a very scientific manner in the movie. Um, it has a narrator and even a godlike scientist character that's played by Bella Lugosi, um, who oversee kind of everything and kind of have like a, a hand kind of in everything throughout the movie. Uh, what is so striking to me about the film is how positive it is, though. For the early 50s, this is completely unheard of. The topic of sex reassignment, cross-dressing, or anything at all related in any way, shape, or form to any type of queerness or outside of the heteronormative culture, um, all of these topics were, were unspeakably taboo. Now, had this movie been made by anyone else, it would not have had the same tone at all. There, there, there's no way it needed to be someone like Edward. Although the production quality um, is, uh, how shall I say, um, completely Edward D. Wood Jr. production quality, um, the film really strives to be great. You can tell that, um, you know, Ed put so much love and so much care and was basically wanting to scream his personal story at anyone that was watching it. Um, every time that I've watched this movie, I'm struck by the progression of the film. Um, that being that it was made in, you know, 52, 53, about this incredibly taboo topic of cross-dressing. Um, you know, it starts with rejection, never repulsion, mind you, Never, ever repulsion. There's never anything really negative about it. Um, but then it turns to the turmoil of understanding it and then the ultimate acceptance of it. It's incredible to me that this movie was even made at the time. It's important for anyone interested in cinema, um, interested in Ed Wood or anything or anyone interested in uh, learning about breaking barriers for social taboos. Um, of course, you do have to remember it's an Edward movie, so it's also incredibly bizarre in a lot of different scenes. I'm glad you did that one. I uh, I mm -hmm. think they made those available like after the Tim Burton movie came out, maybe like three or four years after mm -hmm. and I saw it, but it's been a long time. Um, but I watched some clips on YouTube of like a side-by-side -side of what they shot in Tim Burton's yeah. movie and then what's in Glen or Glendon. I was amazed at how closely the yeah like, they've tried to mimic uh the some of the scenes that he had done mm -hmm. it's really it's really amazing to me in in edward and in uh glenn or glenda the that there is no i mean unless i'm completely missing something there's really no negativity that's talked about in this which is baffling to me just that, and I think that that goes hand in hand with um, the person that Edward was, and that he, and we see it throughout the course of Tim Burton's Edward, you know, his 
his he always kind of knew who he was but like the kind of acceptance of it and and talking to people about it and just being like yep this is who i am um it's kind of amazing yeah i actually think that's the uh in a lot of ways that's like the arc of his character in tim burton's film is this he starts out hiding it from his hiding uh the he's like secretly yeah. wearing her sweaters and then wearing eventually his undergarments yeah, under his army clothes and then eventually yeah. you know confides in this producer to get a movie that he wears women's clothes and then eventually is is directing full-on yeah uh, in women's clothing from head to toe uh, in front of everything. the Christian or Baptist, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, that's right. Fi- financiers of the film to eventually, you know, telling the his future wife on their first date, like, you know, this is what I like to do. This is who I am. So let's just get so this it's out that of full the way. Arc of who he is, and yeah, it is really the center point of that that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. It's it is kind of wild that. <laughs> He's it just like this is a this 50s. is I'm just gonna take this stock footage and compile things like, and make this like about as personal of a movie that somebody can make. Like how is he not hate crimed? I don't even get it during the fifties. Like how how I mean I, I don't know. It, it's amazing to me, it really is. Um, anyway, Glenn or Glenda, Edward Scissorhands. We love our Edward and our Tim Burton. Well, we are almost out of time uh we have one final segment and that is i'm gonna let you introduce this Lindsay. um this is our what we we call we talked about in the beginning but we we call it our murray moments i think of the the biggest bill murray fan that i that i know or probably will ever know so i think it only appropriate that you uh do these do these bits you know, it might be an appropriate time to say that uh, I think around about the age of like three, um, I was asked, I don't remember this, but my family remembers it, that I was asked what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I responded, I want to be in a movie with Bill Murray. When it, and it also, <laughs> it's like when we were talking about this idea of doing this segment, uh, just like has a movie ever been a, worse because bill murray was in it no no ever i mean even larger than life i'm sure i'll talk about larger than life at some point or the man who knew what was it the man who knew too little too I much I, i'm, too I'm gonna, little. i will say that since we've been since we've been talking about doing this segment I've, I've i've ran through just about every bill murray movie but that's the only one i can't i can't say that i've seen that movie so I'm, you know what, who knows? I have no idea. Every, every week I don't know where I'm going to go with this. It's really contingent upon the movie that we pick. I like not knowing what you're going to say. I know. I kind of like you not knowing too. We'll, we'll see. Um, all right. All right. So this is the, this week, this is your Murray moment. Chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear, and when I do, it's usually something unusual. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. You're gonna come and shake my monkey tree again? Oh, what does that old queen know? She didn't even show. Okay, this is so scrumptious. Is this hand shocked? The flowing robes, the grace, all striking. That was fun.
All right, so since we've been talking about Ed Wood, um, this kind of sparked me to think about uh, a film that seemingly ended Bill's dramatic side of his acting career really before it ever even started. It's always been ironic to me that um, the groundwork for what would later become his career resurgence, I guess you could say, actually began in 1984. Well before Rushmore and Lost in Translation, um, two pivotal mile markers in his career. I mean, in my opinion, I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. Um, In exchange for doing Ghostbusters in 83-84, Bill got Columbia Pictures to greenlight a passion project of his called The Razor's Edge. It was a period piece in which a man returns from war, World War II specifically, um, partially traumatized, then goes on a quest to find himself. Um, So Bill wrote the script um, based off this 1944 novel by W. Somerset uh, Maugham, I believe that's how it's pronounced, Um, but was not exactly what people who were really into, you know, let's say SNL or just Bill Murray's career uh, in general, wasn't really what folks were prepared for um, after seeing him, him in all these comedic roles. So the Razor's Edge totally tanked at the box office. Um, you know, we were at the height of capitalism and materialism of the 80s, and this was a film that was not that at all. It was deep, introspective, and not anything close to what Bill had built his career upon. After the movie was released and it totally bombed, um, he decided to take a self-imposed four-year break from the business, something he'd later call a mistake. But, you know, mistake or not, um, he did return to acting, as we all know, um, with a lot of kind of mixed emotion, deep gems like Scrooge and Quick Change, um, What About Bob, Ed Wood, and probably most notably Groundhog Day. Um, which are comedies, but if, I mean, I hope everyone realizes that there's a deep dramatic undertone to a lot of these movies. Um, it's kind of when stuff started to change for him, I feel like. It, it wouldn't be until 1998, um, when Bill's career would take a turn back towards the deepened quiet grace, um, something that began in, in the rumble of the razor's edge. Some would call, um, you know, his multiple films with Wes Anderson, a reinvention of himself. But if you truly take a look at this man, his films, his subdued brilliance and stoicism, his weird self irony, the sarcasm to uh, mask or explain emotions behind motivations. You'd see that the razor's edge was this uh, initial springboard for all of this. Um, Although it was a complete failure at the time, it's what kind of laid the groundwork for the multitude of reasons why Bill is so loved in 2017. So no matter if Ed Wood was considered um, a complete failure, you know, during the time that he was alive, he'll always be celebrated and remembered for his vision, passion, and the work that he created. And the same can kind of be said for The Razor's Edge. Um, It'll be remembered as a flop when it came out, but if you look back on it now... It's the exact brilliance and humility that's always been within Billy and everything that we love about him today. Oh, that makes me want to I'm like, stay up late and watch Razor's Edge tonight. That was awesome. It's, you know, it's worth two hours. Yeah. It really is. I, I, that's one I have. It's on the list. I, that's another one I haven't seen in 
I don't know how long. It's, I mean, it's jarring because, you know, you're not, you're not expecting it. And I can't imagine at the time, you know, it coming out and being like, dude, this guy was in meatballs like three yeah. years earlier. What's going on here? But, um, no, it's, it's, it's cool, I think, to go back and revisit it now. I will do that. Well, thanks for that, Lindsay. That was nice. So that's pretty much going to wrap up our very first podcast. I'm Yay. really, really excited uh, that we started doing this, and uh, I'm hoping there'll be many more to come. Mm-hmm. Um, my final thought on Ed Wood is I, I feel it's a criminally underrated film. Um, I really, if you haven't heard of it, if you haven't seen it, uh, I urge you to check it out. And if you're like us, it's probably one of your favorites as well. And uh, our next podcast, we're going to take a sort of a different turn, uh, <laughs> different genre, a uh, different animal of a movie. You know, I mean, all of these things, uh, yeah, different genre, totally, but equally as fun, I would say. I agree. Uh, would be um, the Joel Schumacher classic from 1987. Uh, you might have heard of it, uh, The Lost Boys. We're going to be talking about that one. I'm excited for this. I, I, yeah, I mean, I went as like a lost boy a couple of years ago for Halloween. It was a terrible costume, but that movie's affected me, uh, you know, since since I was a kid. Yeah, I, it was another one I saw like as a kid and grew up on. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's, I'm glad it's the next one we're doing. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have. Um, if you'd like to leave us a comment, suggestion, or a question, you can email us at don'tpushpausepodcast at gmail. Uh, we just started an Instagram account, uh, mm-hmm. which is called Don't Push Pause Podcast. So you can find us there. So follow us if you like. And we hope you stick around for our next episode. Uh, this is Don't Push Pause. I'm Justin Johnson. And I'm Lindsay Raper. Thanks for listening. Thank you.